our lives are shaped by events that happen to us and by conversations that we have. I kind of want us to start thinking that through a little bit, that our lives are shaped, um, who we are, what we're like is shaped by events and conversations that happen to us. Just like when you drop a, a big stone into some water and, and the waves just spread, uh, there are some events, uh, some conversations perhaps, that have just created waves in your life and that shape who you are. And I think that's true globally. So just this last week on Wednesday, it was the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's death. And, and it's true, isn't it, that the, the waves of his life, even the waves of his assassination still are felt, um, particularly in the States, uh, even, even today, 50 years later. Um, or maybe more kind of in, in my lifetime and, and maybe in, in, in some of your lifetimes too, September 11th, I don't think there's anyone alive that hasn't been affected by the waves of 9-11 anywhere in the world. But it's also true in more personal ways. So globally, there are waves from events, but even just personally, every, every wedding um, leaves waves and ripples in people's lives, not least the people getting married, right? Births are the same. Uh, deaths are the same, whether it's through in, in a heartbreak, redundancy, arguments. Sometimes, sometimes um, wounds can, can kind of give waves through our lives. Sometimes there are healing events, healing conversations, just positive things that, that can affect us and the waves ripple through all of life. Some are big, some are small. But who we are, our identity, our, our very core of who we are, is shaped by those events and by those conversations, by those waves that happen and that spread and touch all of our life. And it's true for us today, but it's also true, uh, certainly was true for the disciples, uh, for Jesus' uh, friends and followers. Because if we, look, if we think back to the story over the last few weeks, this kind of Easter story, Jesus' disciples were having a weird few weeks, to say the least. Um, so a little under... 2,000 years ago or so, in this exact month, Jesus' followers were experiencing events and they were having conversations that would change and shape the rest of their lives. Three weeks ago here in Trinity, we saw uh, that Jesus' brutal death on a cross was no accident. It was planned by God himself, by Father and Son, and Jesus expected it as central to his rescue mission. Uh, Two weeks ago, um, we saw the cross close up. Uh, We saw that as Jesus was dying on the cross, it was 100% grace as the innocent one died to set his people free and to bring forgiveness. And last week, Resurrection Day, we celebrated Jesus' victory over death. He really rose from the dead. And as Dave said, he is still alive today. Death is not the end of the story. The cross and resurrection are at the heart of our faith. That's the title of the series that we're in at the moment, the heart of our faith. And those events, the cross, resurrection, those events have impacted and shaped history with waves that that lead right up to today. With waves that lead actually into this room and beyond. So what we're going to do this afternoon is to add another key part of the story, Jesus's ascension. So the ascension of Jesus. So there we have the cross, the resurrection, and then today we'll see the ascension of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there are some church ones just at the back, so um, feel free to 
jump up and I'll, I'll wave and um, someone will come and get one for you. But if you've all got one already, that is excellent. So Acts chapter 1. In the Church Bible, it's on page 909, 909. So Acts chapter 1. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. Um, and we're going to read chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And we'll find out about Jesus' ascension. Same. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he'd said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here we have um, Dr. Luke's second volume of his book, Uh, both written to the same guy, both written with the same aim to uh, to clearly communicate the real events of Jesus's mission. So you start with Luke's gospel. That was the first volume. Luke's gospel goes from Jesus's birth, which is a pretty obvious place to start, but he starts with Jesus's birth just before actually. And then he goes towards Jesus's death and resurrection And he finishes with Jesus' ascension. And then the second volume, this book of Acts that we've just started to read this afternoon, Luke starts the story there with Jesus' ascension. And then he goes on with kind of sharing the spread or the growth of Jesus' church. So the hinge, the hinge of the two volumes, the hinge of Luke and the hinge of Acts, the hinge is Jesus' ascension. It's in both, briefly in Luke's Gospel, but more, more, a bit more detailed here in Acts. But the ascension is the hinge, and so it's really, really important. Did you notice when I read it, there are just lots of, um, lots of seeing language, lots of seeing words. So after the resurrection, Jesus, what, he, he presented himself, he, he showed himself, he, he appeared So for 40 days after Resurrection Day, Jesus was showing himself to people. And even in those verses describing the ascension itself, there's witnessing, there's looking on, there's gazing, there's seeing, there's watching, all seeing words. And here's the point. The ascension was seen. It was something that was seen. The ascension really happened. We can have certainty about it and also its implications. You see, the impact of the ascension, uh, the, the wave that spreads through the whole history 
of the world into this room today. The impact of the ascension is that we know for certain where Jesus is. Right now, we know for certain where Jesus is. There's no mystery, there's no secrecy. The disciples watched Jesus ascend to heaven. Think about it this way. Um, What if Jesus had suddenly stopped appearing 40 days after his resurrection? So 40 days of, of, of appearances. What if Jesus had just disappeared and stopped appearing? What kind of questions would the people back then, what did the, what the disciples have been asking? I think they were asking things like, well, what happened to him? Where did he go? Was he really alive in the first place? Why, why didn't he say goodbye? Um, did, did he travel somewhere else? And some uh, religious um, kind of traditions state that Jesus went to India, went to America, um, that, that kind of thing. Um, but if Jesus had just stopped appearing, if he just disappeared, wouldn't the temptation be to go and find him? I, I think it would have been for me. If he just stops appearing, you think, okay, well, he's gone somewhere. So let's go and find him. It would have been utter confusion. But Jesus didn't have to ascend into heaven in the way that he did. It didn't have to be visible. He could have just gone to his father. It didn't have to be visible in the way that we've heard described. So why was it visible? See, the resurrection appearances ended with the ascension, apart from with the apostle Paul, but he was unique and that was a unique uh, exception to, to Jesus appearing uh, in kind of bodily after the resurrection. But over 40 days, Jesus, uh, after, yeah, 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to people and then he'd kind of disappear for a little bit and then he'd appear, reappear to people. Always, it seems, always at a meal, which I find brilliant. Jesus, I don't think it was just that Jesus loved eating, but for him, food and eating with people was so important. And even the main bit of what we read earlier in Acts 1, that happened at a, as they were eating, as they were together eating. So eating is really important for Jesus. But now with the ascension, Jesus had gone to his father, just as he said he would. He had ascended to his father's right hand, the seat of authority in heaven. There's no doubt that Jesus is alive. There is no doubt where he is now. And that's why this visible ascension is so, so important because we can know for, for, for certain, for sure, that there is a man in heaven on the throne, ruling history, praying for his people. Jesus is called in another book in the Bible, the great high priest. And we know where he is because of the ascension. So we don't need to worry about where he is. Maybe you've never even considered that question before. Like, where is Jesus now? Maybe that's never crossed your mind, uh, but maybe it has. Well, we don't need to worry. We don't need to worry where he is. We don't need to spend our time looking for him as if we're Indiana Jones looking for the Holy Grail that's lost. We don't need to waste our time looking for Jesus because we know where he is. Jesus is exactly where he should be. And because he is where he should be, we have comfort, we have confidence when the waves and the ripples of life come and hit us in the face. Because we know where Jesus is. He is exactly where he should be. 
But there's more to the ascension than, than where Jesus is now. Um, there are actually two kind of quite strong implications that we've read um, already. Two strong implications. Maybe you spotted them as you read the passage. But the two implications for what the ascension means to us today answer the obvious question. So Jesus ascended to heaven. That's great. We know where he is. So, so now what? Good question. Now what? The disciples had seen Jesus alive many times after his death. No doubt that Jesus uh, was resurrected. And they'd just seen him ascend to heaven. And they just stood there. Basically gawping. Just kind of just standing there, staring at the sky. Have a look at verse 9. So when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, I always think gawping into heaven would probably be a more accurate word, um, but I don't know anything about languages. So while they were gazing uh, into heaven, uh, two men, two angels stood in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We wait for Jesus to return. But not just by standing around, kind of looking up at the sky. Is that the cloud? Mm, no. Okay, is that the, no, that's not the cloud. Well, there isn't any cloud, so it can't be. We, we don't wait just looking up at the sky. Um, we'll, we'll get to the second implication in, in a little bit, um, in, in a couple of minutes. But I just want to dwell on this, like on this waiting, kind of focus on this waiting for Jesus to come back. See, Jesus left the earth visibly. We've seen that. We've read about that. And these two men in white, these two angels say, well, he's going to come back visibly as well. And that's good news. So we wait. I remember I had a friend um, when I worked with students and um, he was a student in Cardiff and when he was a very, very new Christian, maybe one week, maybe two weeks old as a Christian, he was in a prayer meeting um, in his church. <clears throat> and in the prayer meeting, they were talking and they were praying about Jesus coming back and waiting uh, expectantly for Jesus to come back. And my friend, this new Christian, got really, well, not angry, but he got really agitated. Um, so much so that he kind of stood up and said, no, Jesus does not come back. His sacrifice on the cross was once and for all, and it worked. He does not need to come back. Why are you praying about him coming back? He just couldn't have in his mind. He's like, no, Jesus is brilliant. He's amazing. He did everything he said. All of his promises came true. His sacrifice was successful. He's risen, and he's not coming back. Why are you praying like he's coming back? Well, the, the people in the church, the elders and the other people in the church, were very patient with this you know, one-week-old Christian that thought he knew um, everything about the Bible. They showed him this passage in Acts chapter 1. They showed him... Uh, verses in John 14 and John 15 and the places in John's gospel about Jesus going and coming back for us. And actually that got him even more excited. He, he was really passionate about Jesus not coming back. And then when he found out that Jesus was, he was even more passionate about Jesus coming back. He was thrilled. Jesus is coming back for us. Jesus is coming back for me. That's awesome. Okay, let's keep praying. I mean, he was, he, he was well into it after that. You see, Jesus coming back is good news. Because at the heart of our faith is a risen Jesus who has ascended to heaven and who will one day return. 
and the waves of that are felt even, even today. I was talking with a friend uh, last weekend about <clears throat> the ascension and, and, and about this and just kind of why is it important. And they asked me a question which kind of blew my mind actually. Um, and they asked this, they said, if you knew that Jesus was coming back in a couple of days, what would you worry about? If you knew Jesus was coming back, so we're, it's, it's Sunday now, so it's let, let's say, if you knew Jesus was coming back on Tuesday, what would that change? What things would you worry about if you knew Jesus was coming back in two days on Tuesday? And as we were talking, we were like, yeah, look, anxiety, well, any anxiety really, but anxiety about work, anxiety about money would probably melt away. Um, <clears throat> we talked about that our, that our energy uh, would probably um, be boosted in what we're doing in these two days. Our motivation would explode in the things that we're doing. Our, our focus would be clear. Our priorities would be completely different if we knew that Jesus was coming back on a particular day and we don't and we read in the passage it's not for us to know and, and all those things we don't know but if we did it would make all the difference in the world wouldn't it you'd still go to work I think uh, because there are people at work that need to know Jesus and, and they need to be prepared for Jesus coming back and if we knew it was soon then I think hopefully we would want to still go to work and talk to people about Jesus I think we'd still rest and sleep but it would be really a, a, a rest and a sleep which is truly focused on Jesus um, I think we'd still pray probably pray a little bit more actually I, th- I think we'd pray with with an increased energy and with an increased motivation about the things we're praying for um, and I guess the challenge is that I really felt in that conversation and thinking more by the ascension the challenge is if I knew Jesus was coming back in a couple of days, that's how I would change, okay? The challenge is, well, I don't know if he's coming back on Tuesday, so, but why don't I do those things today anyway? Like, why don't we do that anyway? See, because of the ascension, we wait for Jesus. We don't go looking for him because he will come for us. So shouldn't that, shouldn't that give me courage? with friends um, to just mention mention Jesus a little bit. If Jesus is coming back for me, shouldn't that give me energy in in how I love other people and how I care for other people and in serving other people? Why do I stress so much about tomorrow when Jesus is coming back any day? I wonder if you feel that challenge too. Because we don't know when he's coming back. It could be Tuesday, it could be tonight, it could be years to come. We don't know. But shouldn't that make a difference? Jesus is coming back for us. Shouldn't that make a difference for us? Jesus is coming back, so we wait. But we don't wait standing still. Here's the kind of the second implication of the ascension. We wait for Jesus, and while we wait, we witness. We witness. The ascension, as I said, the ascension gives a, an end to Jesus' appearances um, kind of bodily on the earth, but it's not the end of his mission. Not the end of his mission at all. Have a look at verse 8. 
Jesus says this to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Witnesses share what they've seen with people who haven't seen what they've seen. And so with God's spirit in them, the 11, the apostles, the ones who have seen face to face the risen Jesus, Jesus says that they will witness and share who Jesus is and what he did. First in their capital city, Jerusalem, where they were staying. Then in the regions around it, Judea, Samaria, that kind of geographical region around it, circles getting bigger, to the end of the whole world. And the book of Acts, if you want to read some pretty exciting stuff uh, later on today or tomorrow, the book of Acts is the story of how this good news spread from these kind of few guys in the capital city, Jerusalem, how they spread to Rome, because really Rome was the end of the world, the end of the earth for them. And the book of Acts, 28 chapters, is how the, the, the good news, the gospel goes from here to Rome. But there's more in the world than Rome. More in the world than Rome. We're here in Chippenham um, because the good news has spread from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to Rome to Wiltshire. And so we're here in Chippenham. Um, But there is actually more in the world than Chippenham. Um, There are Christians rejoicing in the good news in pretty much every country in the world. But actually there's more in the world than countries, because within countries there were tribes, there were different languages, there were nation groups, groups of people that, that haven't heard the gospel, haven't heard this good news of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, the apostles were God's witnesses, and Jesus said, you're my witnesses, and you're going to travel. And this message is going to travel, this message is going to spread. And that's really true for us here, even, even today, here in Chippenham. We if you are a Christian, we are God's witnesses here in Chippenham, the town where we are, in Wiltshire, kind of the, the next kind of big circle, in the southwest, in England, in Europe, and yeah, even to the end of the earth. Unlike the, the disciples, we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit because he's already come. He's already made our hearts alive to him and we've responded to him. He's already in our hearts so the question is, well, will we travel like the apostles, like, like the ones that came after the apostles, those circles getting bigger and bigger that have come to Chippenham, come to Wiltshire, come to the southwest, come to Europe, gone elsewhere? Will we travel? Will we individually, will we as a church keep supporting people who are traveling and witnessing all over the world? We have a, we have a message And it's the same as those 11 guys in Acts chapter 1. It's the same message. They just went around sharing Jesus, who he is and what he did. And if you want to know a little bit about what that looks like, um, we'll be looking at that next week in the final message of the series. But we have the same message. We share Jesus. Uh, We share who he is and what he did with with family and neighbours and friends and colleagues and just anybody who's asking questions. We, we just share Jesus. It's the, same, 
it's the same message. The mission, Jesus' mission continues because it's his mission. We as a church, we're not doing something separate to what Jesus was doing in the book of Acts. It's the same mission because it's his. And with him, the message has spread. And even today, the message will spread. Those waves will be felt to the end of the earth. It's the message of Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension. It's the message of how those events, those real events, how they have created waves throughout history, how they have transformed us, you and me in this room, and how they've made waves through all of history to touch so many lives. See, our risen Lord is in heaven. That's the perfect place for him to be. But actually by his spirit, he is with us. It's one of his final promises that I will be with you. So Jesus is with us by his spirit. So, so we witness. Everybody witnesses. Everybody tells, praises something. Whether you're Christian or religious or, or not, we all, we all talk about what we love. We all love something. We all praise something. And we all talk about what it is we love all the time. And as Christians, because of the death, resurrection and the ascension, well, maybe that'll affect the things we love, the priorities we have. Maybe that'll affect the things that we worry about. Maybe that'll affect the things that we give our time to, give our money to, uh, the things that we give our focus to. See, we witness, we, you will witness this week really whether you want to or not, you you will witness to something or to someone. But because Jesus is risen, because he has ascended, we can witness to him with his help, his message, his hope, his power, his energy, his, his love. But we won't do that forever. This, this witnessing, this, declaring this witnessing to other people it won't be forever because one day Jesus will come back to us and the people on earth when that happens will see it happen and we'll see him face to face so so we wait with different priorities different focus different uh, maybe different clarity different uh, spending time doing different things Jesus is going to come back and so we wait Let me pray uh, before we uh, have communion. Father, thank you for this uh, beginning chapter in Acts. And we thank you that we praise you that Jesus is with you. He is at your right hand ruling uh, history and praying for, for us. And we praise you that the ascension of Jesus was seen And we thank you that it ripples, it waves throughout all of history, even into our lives today. And I pray, Father, for each one of us, that that, that all of us this week would would feel those waves of the ascension, uh, that our lives would be changed, our hearts would be changed, that the the things we look at, the kind of where we walk, where we go, just everything we do will be different this week because Jesus has ascended and he will one day come back. Father, help us to look forward to that day. Help us to be prepared for that day and help us to uh, 
also to be people who, who witness uh, to friends and to family and to colleagues about who Jesus is and what he has done. And we thank you that because of the ascension and his return, that we have all the motivation and focus that we need to do that really well. Amen.